so it's good that this is where we are today. We are launching our uh, next series, where we uh, spent a great deal of time in Galatians over the course of the summer, uh, and we hit on the fruits of the Spirit, but now we're coming back to that, and uh, we're going to really dig down into the fruit of the Spirit. And so I just want to I just want to start this morning uh, by recapping a little bit uh, where we came from in order to get where we are here. So, in uh, it came to us in Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23. For the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. So over the course of the next nine weeks, that's what we're going to be digging into, that fruit. And what does that look like, and what does that mean in my life? Uh, the other thing I want to remind you about is uh, a couple weeks ago I shared with you uh, the passage from 15th chapter of John, where um, Jesus tells us, he gives us the analogy of the vine and the vine dresser and the fruit. And I want to remind you that as Jesus said, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So over the course of this next nine weeks, these fruits we are talking about, you will not see those manifested in your life unless you are in relationship, unless you are abiding in Jesus Christ. And just to be clear, you can manifest the appearance of the fruits. You can, you can construct your life and, and live yourself in such a way that you appear to have love. You appear to have joy. Peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, patience, goodness, self-control, all the rest. You can have that appearance. But it will not be the real thing unless you are abiding in Christ. And eventually... That appearance comes up against real life, and the appearance will shatter. Now, that being said, I have a couple admonitions. A couple admonitions for three admonitions that encompass everybody who might be here today or watching at home. For those of you out there in here who have never made a commitment to Jesus Christ. Uh, you know, obviously you're interested, you're searching, you're looking for something, but you just haven't, haven't come to that point where you said, you know what, I want to live my life with Jesus, I want to follow after Him. Let me ask you to consider this, both today and in the weeks to come. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. What is it that keeps you from wanting that in your life? In relationship with Jesus Christ, all these things become an active aspect of your life, regardless of the circumstances of your life. No matter how good or how bad life may be, there will be love and joy and peace and... So I ask you, if you have not made a commitment to Jesus Christ, carefully consider why. What is holding you back from a commitment, from a relationship that produces this much goodness in your life? Admission number two. Two. For the church folks. 
And I use the term church folks because it's important. I reiterate, being church folk is not the same thing as being a follower of Jesus Christ. Church folk, that's what we do for an hour and a half, two hours Sunday mornings. Following Jesus Christ is what happens all the rest of the time. Okay? And for the church, for, and, and I'm, I'm not going to make that determination. I'm just for church folk. For everybody, part of the Christ community church, I'm not going to come out, inspect your fruit, determine whether you are or are not a Christ follower. But I ask you to consider that. As we talk about these fruits, love, joy, peace, and kindness, and then are you seeing this in your life? And and if what is showing your life is it the real thing? Is it the product of life of Jesus, or is it something you are manufacturing to present to others? And then, thirdly, thirdly. Christ followers, Jesus people, children of God, actively live in such a way that you can be looking, you can be seeking, God, how can I share this fruit, this love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, self-control? Every time you do that, I always feel like I'm missing one. I don't know. How, how as, as I am having a life filled with this fruit, as I am having a life that is just overwhelmed by this goodness of God, how can I find active ways to share that, to pour that forth into the life of others? There is a broken world out there that needs what Jesus has. And sometimes, before they can come to Jesus, they need to see the goodness of Jesus. And sometimes, before you can even say, before you can even reach a point in a relationship where you can say, can I share something with you about Jesus? People just need to see that it's a real deal. They need to see that the love and joy and peace and hope is real and it's available. So Christ followers, I ask you, look for the opportunities. Don't keep that crop to yourself. Open your own little farmers. That was goofy. I'm sorry I said that. Well, I'm going to be regretting that for a while. Alright, so, we move on. This morning, part of the Fruit Spirit, we're talking about love. And I, I have to find this because I want you to put aside whatever it is, when I say love, whatever it is you think of, I want you to put that aside because that's probably not what we're talking about. I saw this earlier this week, and obviously God wanted me to share it because as I'm preparing this, this came up into my social media feed. It will be quote one of two from um, Mr. Dallas Willow. And the graphic is a giant, incredible looking chart. Okay. I mean, dang, y'all. It's okay, alright. But, but the text, the text is what I want to share. Love is will to good. I'm going to come back to that in a few minutes. Desire and love are two utterly different kinds of things. You may say you love chocolate cake, but you don't. You don't will it's good. You just want to eat it. <laughs> and 
And see, this is the thing about love. The love that we're talking about this morning, the love that we talk about, when we talk about the love of Jesus, when we talk about God's love, when we talk about the love of the Bible, when we talk about love that should inhabit your life and pour forth for you, we're talking about something completely different than what the world has defined as love. Now, first, everything is about love. Everything. The core, the core of Christian life is about love. I mean, if nothing else, if you've got your Bible or an app, turn in your app. Hmm. Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 and 40. Teacher, which is the great command, greatest commandment? Which is the great commandment in the law? Which is the greatest commandment? And he, being Jesus, said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment to love God. And the second is like it you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. On these two commandments, depend all the law and the prophets, and these two commandments depend on love. Love is the foundation that underpins everything. Everything from Genesis, Genesis going forward to the day we stand physically in the presence of Jesus Christ and beyond is based in love. Probably that's why when Paul was writing down the fruits of the Spirit, he came to love first. And love is going to be critical in the manifestation of these other fruits. So love is like the first fruit. It is that important. Love. What do we mean? What do we mean love? And a minute ago I said love is will to good. By far the most frequent word used in the Bible, translated into love. See, we read the Bible and we see the word love and we just think love. The guys that wrote the Bible had approximately 147 different words for 27 different versions of love. There was a love for friends. There was a love for family. There was a love for stuff. There was a love for, you know... Yeah, adult love. It's in there. But the most frequently translated word is the word agape. Agape love. And by far the most frequent word is agape, generally assumed to mean moral goodwill, which proceeds from esteem, principle, duty, rather than attraction or charm. You just made like love like boring. You made love like all brainy and intellectual. Yes. This is a fundamental principle of the love that God wants to share with us and share with others. Love is not motivated by emotion. We all know love, that kind of love, that emotional oh, butterflies that makes them warm and fuzzy. That love comes and goes, changing with the seasons. You know what, right now, somewhere in your life, there's somebody you loved that you don't love no more. 
right? Love don't work like that. Not this kind of love. This love is based in a commitment, in a choice. I love because I choose to love, and I choose to love if for no other reason than God told me to. I have made a commitment to love people because God said so and for no other reason. And that means I have to love people I don't like. <laughs> you have to love people you don't like. That's the difference between the warm, fuzzy, emotional love we talk about and the deep-rooted, committed love of Christ that God calls us in. Alright, back to Dallas. Love is the will to good. That means I have a will for goodness and blessing in the life of another. Encouragement and actions on the behalf of a person's good are love. Encouragement for somebody else is love. And actions that express that encouragement on behalf of another is love and life. One who loves promotes the good or wills the benefit and strength of the beloved. Beloved here being simply the receiver of love, not the warm, fuzzy, romantic kind of beloved we take it to be. When you love someone, regardless of the nature of that relationship with the person, that is the beloved. That is the receiver of the love that you are sharing. This is the nature of God. God's love. God's wild and constant willing of our good. And our trusting knowledge of it enables our own love of others. When I truly love someone, I look at that person and I go, I am committed to doing what I can from prayer to actual physical action to ensure the greatest good in your life. Not the, oh, love you, hope things work out. <laughs> I am committed to your greatest good. And sometimes the commitment to the greatest good means the greatest good is not necessarily what that person thinks they want. If you've ever had a child, you have worked in that child's for that child's greatest good. Some of your actions on behalf of that child's greatest good may have that child say something like, <laughs> Why do you hate me? <laughs> because I wish your greatest good, not chocolate cake. So when we talk about love, we're talking about an intellectual, rational, reasoned, established, grounded commitment not based in emotion to the greatest good of other people. That's what we're talking about. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faith. Love. That is what love is. That is the love of Jesus. That is the love of God. That is the love with which we are to love God. That is the love with which we are to love other people. Nothing warm and fuzzy and emotional in there. And because it's not warm and fuzzy, because it's not based on emotion, it is not something you can walk away from. Once you make this commitment, 
you are in it for the long haul. Alright, so what does that mean? What does that look like? If I am to love somebody, how does that look? Well, Paul. Corinthians, first, chapter 13. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, and hopes all things, and endures all things. I'm not sure I ever really paid attention to it prior to now as I was looking with it in connection to love. But all those attributes Paul lists right there, have to do with the treatment of the other. All those things have at their base how we manifest our behavior and our actions and our will to good for love, another. Love is, love is not rude because I'm not going to be rude to another. If I love you, I'm not going to be rude to you. Love is patient. Every time, anybody just, every time patient comes up in scripture, you're just like, mm. I mean, you know, we talk about Jesus, you know, God is love. I'm, in my best moments, I can be loving. If we want to elevate God, we should say God is patient. Because that's something we all go, nah, that's where God's got to jump on us. Still. I can't do that. I can't. No. Kind. See, all these things, all these things that love is, are only proved in interaction with other people. And then again, it goes back to our base definition of love. He said, none of these things come into the picture when you're loving chocolate cake. Chocolate cake doesn't get, it doesn't care for the patient. Kind. Gentle. Not rude. People in your life do. And oftentimes, as horrible as it is, for some reason in our human condition, it is the people that we love most that somehow in our mind can be least deserving of these aspects of love. We can be we can be rude and unkind and short-tempered and envious and boastful. Arrogant. We can assist on our own way. We can be irritable. We can be resentful. We can do wrong. We cannot rejoice in truth. We cannot bear things and believe things and hope all things and endure all things with the people we love. The other people out there, we would never let them see that side of us. You know, again, you go back to kids and 
when you allow your child out into public, to interact with other human beings, and you did, right? And other people come to you and go, your child is just so wonderful. Your child is just so great, so pleasant, so, oh, your child is a treat, your child is a gift. My child's a jerk, but did he play it right today? Let's go. I mean, I was not good. So, you know, I'm giving it, I'm giving it the, 
becoming progressively easier. And the same thing is true with love. If we have not been loving, if we have not had a, a manifest show of God's love's foreign force or forth from us in our lives, it may take time to get there. It may take time to become a natural process. So where do we start? I know that doesn't sound right, but you're going to fake it. Okay? But, like, you're going to fake it for Jesus, so it's okay. Yeah, okay, all right. C.S. Lewis, who wrote things besides lying to the word. The rule for us, for all of us, is perfectly simple. Do not waste time bothering whether you love your neighbor. Okay, that's his love, people. Love my neighbor as myself. Okay, so don't bother whether or not you actually love them. Because, you know, you just get bogged down in that whole emotional, non-emotional, blah, blah, blah. Don't bother about whether you love your neighbor. Act as if you did. As soon as we do this, we find one of the great secrets. When you are behaving as if you loved someone, you will presently to love them. If you injure someone you dislike, you will find yourself disliking them even more. If you do them a good turn, you will find yourself disliking them even less. So, when you want to start manifesting this love, you start walking with Jesus, you start seeing Jesus' love and work appear in your life, the first thing you can do is just start acting like you love people. Pro tip, Start with people you like. Because a lot of us, you know, we say, love, the will to love. You are to love people as yourself. You want to act for the benefit and greatest good of the people in your life. Love people. And our minds automatically go to absolute worst person we can think of. Okay. If I say the absolute worst person you can think of, I don't want to know that. But don't start, don't start with like the worst. That's ridiculous. That's like going to the gym and, okay, I, I can't do a push up, but I'm going to start bench pressing now. I'm going to bench press 450. No, you're not. That's ridiculous. The worst person in your life, not the place you want to start this process alone. Pick somebody in your life. You actually like, maybe, dare I say, someone you actually love. And then, and then let that action go beyond just a kind of fond regard for them. This person, see, too often when we use the term love, we think of loving something as we love them because it meets my needs. It reinforces something in me. I love whatever, I love this thing, I love this person, because they please me. And that's what's wrong with our worldly definition of love, it's, it's not about you. If I can get one thing across from the Bible to everybody, is that your fascination with yourself is the core of every problem you have. 
outside yourself and start to focus out there instead of in here, everything gets better. And that's the core of the flow that Jesus is calling us to. So think of somebody you like, think of somebody you love, and start to find ways how can I act in this person's greatest good? What can I do that is of the utmost benefit to this person? That is what will to good means. There is somebody in my life, and I want the absolute greatest good, the greatest blessing in their life, and I am committed to acting on their behalf to achieve that end.
that you love. At least the kind of thing we should say. And for somebody who truly loves, I will die for this person. I mean, it sounds right. Sounds nice. And we like to think we need it.
intended to share with us this morning. And I pray we would be committed that as we go through this place, that we would nurture that seed, and we would come in regularly and we would ask God, what can I do with this? What will you do with this? How can I see the in my life, and how can I share that love with other people? And Father, I pray you would help us to become the kind of people who are known for willing the good of others, working in the lives of the others for their greatest love, their greatest joy, and their greatest good. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.